We are 45 seconds yeah. in. Yeah. And yeah. I'm going in. I'm here sure. for it. I love Absolutely. the vibe. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. It's the arrival. I came in a league. Went straight for the title. Touchdown! Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvelous! Gets past Ransom! Donovan Edwards! Touchdown! The Don! There's nothing quite like the game. Michigan versus Ohio State. This is The Rivalry, sponsored by Elevated Integrity Construction. This is The Rivalry Podcast. It's the greatest rivalry in sports, Michigan and Ohio State. I'm Jace. That's JP. What up? Thanks for following along. You may notice we've got a third special guest with us today, Mr. Roy Hall. In the studio, Roy. In the, in the studio. <laughs> I'm glad nice he's sitting on your too. side. This is, I've got a, a bonus a bonus friend today. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, Roy, tell us, uh, just in case folks aren't familiar, tell us a little bit about uh, your time with Ohio State, what you're doing now, and we'll get into some details here in a minute. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. It's a, it's a lot of scarlet and gray, and it's also some amazing blue in here. Um, it doesn't make me uncomfortable because I, I beat that team up north, and we what? beat that team up north four times when I played at Ohio State. So, four <laughs> Sets of gold pants. We are 45 seconds yeah, in. Yeah, and I'm going Sweet. in. I'm sure. here for it. I love absolutely, the vibe. Absolutely. Um, played from 2002 to 2006. Uh, won a national title with the Buckeyes in 02. Uh, with a great game when we beat Miami uh, in the Fiesta Bowl. Double overtime. One of those classic college football games. And then uh, played in another national title game in 2006. But we lost to the Florida Gators when coach Urban Meyer was still on the dark side. And so once we got him saved and converted, <laughs> um, you know, we, we made up for it, but uh, had a great time, obviously some great teammates, uh, you know, the likes of Troy Smith who won the Heisman, Tegan Jr., Anthony Gonzalez, Nick Mango, AJ Hawk, Bobby Carpenter, uh, Santonio Holmes, Maurice Claret, Michael Jenkins, like the list goes on and on. And some, Craig Krenzel, some of the most famous and most popular and impactful Buckeyes in the history uh, came through in those times when I was there. Uh, then went on, I got drafted in the fifth round by the Indianapolis Colts, which was awesome. Played for uh, Tony Dungy and learned so much under him. Uh, Faith Field, man, who... Um, really showed you how to lead men uh, with egos, you know, lead uh, multimillionaires without raising his voice, without cursing, without profanity, um, and just doing it the right way and with integrity. And so uh, it was a blast playing, played in the league for four years, and injuries kind of cut every year and cut my career short. And so it's a lot of testimonies that kind of go with that. But um, started my Driven Foundation my first year. And uh, we've been rocking and rolling for 14 years now, uh, making a difference in the community, providing basic human needs to families to combat poverty. So um, over the last 15 years, we've been able to distribute 1.5 million pounds of free food to over 10,000 Central Ohio families. And so every December, uh, when everyone goes on break, people forget that a lot of these kids and students that we work with, they're on free lunches. And so that 10 days or 11 days that they're off of school during winter break, we position our food outreach uh, in that gap so that we can uh, make sure those kids still eat and those families still eat. So it's awesome. And that's just what I've been doing, serving through the Driven Foundation. And then also I travel around the country speaking and doing motivational speaking and things. And um, it's been awesome to be able to get into the corporate space and really motivate and push people to be the best best versions of themselves and the best leaders that they can be. And, um, you know, it's kind of like coach talk, motivational speeches, pregame speeches, get them fired up, but also to present some perspective um, on life itself. So it's been awesome. Uh, everything that I do is about making a difference and, and leaving my mark uh, on people and, and, and through my serving and through uh, working and speaking. It's been absolutely awesome. A dream come true um, would be an understatement. 
And also uh, on the podcast side, president of the uh, Rivers Board as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, is this kind of a big deal around <laughs> here? That, too? <laughs> there's that piece. <laughs> before we before we dive more into the the football side of this, because I think this is really important. You're obviously so passionate about your organization with Driven. Sure. Tell me a little bit about why that became such a passion for you and how your faith plays into that. And yeah. you kind of touched on that a little bit already. Sure. No, no, you're you're absolutely right. It, it really the basis of the Driven Foundation is is understanding how to use your platform for a purpose. And so all of us have our respective uh, jobs or things that we do to make a living. And whether you're an NFL player or you, you have an awesome podcast or you work in a ministry or you're a dentist or, or a teacher or a principal or whatever it may be, there's that. There's that label of what we do, but then there's who we are. And who we are are men and women of God who want to use what we have to help other people. Everything that we have or acquire or build up to um, is, yes, for us, but it's also to be able to help God's people. And so uh, through Driven, how it got started was just uh, like understanding what it's like to not have anything. I grew up in a single-parent household. My mom raised my sister and I uh, uh, alone and my dad had some challenges with substance abuse. And so uh, domestic violence looked a lot different in 89, 90, and 91, uh, where a lot of people weren't necessarily, I don't want to say they weren't caring. It just wasn't as imperative to get mm-hmm. families and people out of terrible situations. And so I grew up in a lot of trauma. And so once my mom and dad divorced, uh, my mom was on her own. And so I was that a part of a family that needed those those uh, organizations like Driven who were giving away free food and, and giving away free child care. Um, we had moments where the refrigerator was empty. Uh, eviction notices come in every color in this room. Um, and so when you feel the pressure of about to be kicked out of your house, when mom doesn't have transportation, we can't afford a car, mom's not eating, we're not eating, those are things that you never forget. And so I knew once I got a little bit older and once I was blessed with a position like playing in the NFL, there was no doubt in my mind that I was going to try and leverage that to be able to make a difference. Coach Trestle sold those seeds as well uh, by having us out in the community on a, uh, a day-to-day basis, so to speak, a lot, especially for the young guys that weren't yeah, playing a lot yeah. early on. Uh, visiting James Cancer Hospital, visiting local elementary schools, you see when the scarlet and gray shows up how it can infuse life into an individual. And you're like, man, that's powerful. And that gift is not necessarily for me solely. Yeah, that yeah. gift is to be able to share and you do it through serving. And so that's kind of uh, the uh, where Driven was started, just understanding what it's like to not have anything, but then making sure I leverage my platform, resources, connections to make sure the people that I'm around now have everything that they need. It's amazing how, and this sounds very cliche, but it's amazing how God takes your particular story and turns some of that pain into your passion and purpose. Oh, absolutely. It's it's not a comfortable thing when you're going through it. There's a lot of God, why in the world is this going on with me right now? But to be able to look back and go, you know what though, that prepared me for what God had for me is an amazing thing. It's always, that's always the case. That's why I don't believe in bad days. There are good days and there are hard days, right? And on those hard days or on those tough days, that's when your character is being molded and built for what's to come later. Um, And all the things that we went through as a family have now positioned me to be number one, empathetic, but also understand that making it to the NFL or being a Buckeye is more than just cheers and touchdowns. It's more than just uh, catching a pass from Peyton Manning. I didn't, by the way. He didn't throw the ball. <laughs> he, did, he didn't throw the ball. Just insert that. In. He didn't throw. Marvin Harrison got 120 balls one year, but I got zero. But it is, you know, he's a Hall of Famer for a reason. 
um, which is funny, right? Like I, you know, I played with Marvin Harrison Sr. And oh, by the way, let me throw this in there. I for the last ten years, I've been the team chaplain for the Ohio State football team. I don't know if you guys knew that for the last ten years. And so now I'm ministering to Marvin Harrison Jr. and I played with his dad, I mean, which makes me feel extremely old. Um, <laughs> but you just understand that life yeah. is about making a difference. Yeah. And when you live your life that way and cherish every day, understanding that every day is a gift, every day is a blessing. You can go out into the world uh, without regret, knowing that you've done everything possible to make it a better place. Amazing. Yeah. And you, you touched on this a little bit earlier, but we obviously we've got to bring up the game. I mean, that's the whole reason for this podcast. Sure. You did something that very, very few people get to experience in playing in not only the, the rivalry game, mm -hmm. but probably the biggest really one, yeah, of, one yeah. of the biggest games where it was number one, Ohio state, number two, Michigan. What was that? Just playing Michigan in general, what is the week of that game look like from a player's point of view, but specifically that game as well, because the hype around it was just so intense. I remember watching that, like, I don't even, rem I'm not don't, even going to try how I'm not going to try to think because okay, I was, right. I was a little younger, but I remember exactly where I was when Chris Wells ran 52 yards mm. right down the middle. I remember re exactly where I was at that time. So from a sure. player's point of view, what does that game look like specifically, but just that rivalry? Uh, I mean, you want me to sum it up. It's funny. It's, it's hard to sum up the game in, in, a, in a two to three minute little, little conversation, um, but it's everything. You practice every day for the game. Every, there's a period every practice where you dedicate towards beating Michigan. Now, a lot of people say that team up north. We own Michigan when I was there, so I can say Michigan as much as I want to. Uh, people get afraid. I, I was talking to Coach Trestle. He's like, I can say Michigan. We can say Michigan all we want to. Ain't nobody afraid of saying Michigan, but it is that team up north. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you prepare to beat that team. You know, it's like playing against yourself. I mean, they train just like we train. Uh, matter of fact, that's how uh, we got the gold pants um, tradition where uh, Francis Smith said they put on their pants one leg at a time just like we do and so we went on to beat them and destroy them for the, like the next five years straight mm. or whatever it was uh, but they train just as hard as we and we know that everything that we every game leads up to that game yep. you can be 11 and 0 but in game number 12 against Michigan if you lose that game it destroys the season yep. now last year there was the controversial situation where we got destroyed at the in the second half by Michigan but almost played in a, you know played for the national title because we went down to the wire with Georgia Mm -hmm. And if we had a won a national title, they say, oh, well, we would have won a national title but lost to Michigan. It would have been a great victory to be the national champions, but Michigan would have been saying, you couldn't beat us. Though. There's still that and, taste in yeah, your mouth absolutely. of, yeah. we yeah. still have it, some unfinished business even with the national yeah, title. It would have been yep. incomplete, but that game means everything. Uh, you solidify your legacy as a Buckeye in that game. All eyes are on that game. It's the biggest rivalry in sports, not just college football. Um, and, and literally, you come to Ohio State to play in that game. Mm -hmm. And there, there's a hatred. Everybody has a story of why they started hating Michigan or why they started hating Ohio State from the other side. Uh, you have your countdown clock. But that week is intense. Um, that week is also a week where you got to have your focus at an all-time high. I mean, you're cutting off everybody that you love. And I'm not talking to your mom, not talking to your dad, <laughs> not talking to your girlfriend, not talking to anybody. You're not even looking at Brutus. You're not doing anything. Everything is about beating that team up north. And so it was, it was a blessing to be able to play in that game. That particular game, you you score a touchdown in it. I mean, yeah, it's, it's 06. just, just mm -hmm. phenomenal. Just phenomenal. Like, is that 
does that when you think about and it, this is such a hard question when you think about hey some of my favorite memories playing for mm-hmm. Ohio State I've got to believe that that game's up in there yeah uh, what what other games or what other scenarios would you throw in there as, hey these were just really special moments yeah I think the number one uh, game on the list has to be number one versus number two Michigan Ohio State no six specifically because it was my last game in the shoe it was mm-hmm. senior day my mom was on the field. And so if you go back to the story I told about my mind, just, you know, you go through so much for 10, 12 years, 14 years of trying to get to that point. And here I am at 21, 22 playing in the shoe and my mom's on the field with me and I can handle a rose. That meant a lot to me Um, just to kind of work through that. Being a graduate now of Ohio State, uh, that was awesome. Game number two was probably the national title game. Now, I redshirted that year, so we're on the field and we're dressed up and everything and in our uniform, but I didn't get on the field. But understanding what it took to win that football game, it took all 120 guys on yep. the team. And so the Mike Dosses of the world and Craig Krenzel and Reese Claret, like all those guys, Donnie Nicky, those guys that um, were on the field making plays, uh, were making plays that day. But in practice leading up to that and all season, those guys on the scout team, yep. me included, yep. mm-hmm. we were getting those guys ready. Yep. It taught me a lesson about the value of every single person under the roof of the building, right? Everyone has value. And when one person doesn't do their job, other people can't do theirs. And so while some people may think, well, you weren't all American or you didn't play or you didn't start in that particular national title game, I got a ring just like everyone else. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just because I was in the room, it's because I contributed, but my contributions may have been behind the scene. Uh, From a biblical perspective, we see it all the time where you get people who are infamous uh, for not being famous, (laughs) right? This was somebody that we didn't know. This person didn't have a name. This person let Jesus stay at his house and nobody don't, we don't even know who that person is. Um, But in this particular case, I found that the value is not in just being out in front. Like real leadership is not being out in front. It's actually doing what you need to do to make sure the people who are in front can get their job done better. And so those two games are the ones that go hand in hand um, as being probably the best two in, in my Ohio State career. Um, but again, we beat Michigan four times while I was there. Yeah, you, you um, so mentioned, those, you mentioned, mentioned, you mentioned that. that. Those other games that. become three, four, and five. Yeah, absolutely. As uh, well as well they should be. As well they should be. Well, and you talked about this earlier, and I feel like it's true. Whenever you're a young guy, so when you were in the national championship game, you said you were redshirting, so you were on the sideline. You obviously are practicing, getting these guys ready. Yep. But I feel like whenever you're in that situation and you're an underclassman like that, there's always that one person, the upperclassman on the team, that sticks out to you that you kind of latch onto and you want to kind of sure. learn from as the season goes on. Who was that for you in the 2002 season? Yeah, first name that came about Michael Jenkins. Michael Jenkins, uh, one of the all-time greats, one of the all-time leading receivers in Ohio State history, probably the most underrated and unappreciated receiver in Ohio State history. Um, we have that recency bias, and I love all my guys, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, uh, Paris Campbell, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba. These guys have had great seasons, um, but when they start talking about Mount Rushmore's of Ohio State receivers, uh, you can't look too far past Michael Jenkins, and he mm-hmm. was a guy that was more than willing to offer up as much information as he possibly could to our, us young guys. Now, remember, the scout team for the 0-2 championship team offensively, you had Santonio Holmes at one receiver. <laughs> yeah, not bad. I, I was at another receiver, and Troy Smith and Justin Zwick were our quarterbacks, right? So we had some guys that can go and that the could play. The scout team that could beat a few starting <laughs> yeah. lineups. There, there you go. So, you know, we had some guys that can do some things, but having – a great mentor and leader in Michael Jenkins really helped progress 
um, us going into the next year and the years to follow on what it takes to be successful at a high level, specifically from a position group standpoint. Um, Mike did a great job. What I love most about his leadership and just lead, and, and another principle is just leadership is, is more about completion than competition. And so Michael Jenkins never looked at us like, hey, you're coming for our spot or you're coming for my spot. His job as a leader was to get us right, yeah. right? And so you learn quickly, like, listen, it's not your spot. It's not your position. I wore jersey number eight. It's been so many awesome number eights to come through our house. It's not my jersey. It's not my number. It's my job to make it better. And uh, he served us well by, by getting us ready. And Michael Jenkins is that guy that stands out immediately. Let's jump to... Present day. Okay. Sure. So we're, we're going through the season here uh, at Rival Pod, which, by the way, this is a good uh, place to mention a big thanks to our friends at Elevated Integrity Construction. Aaron Carroll, you're amazing. Check them out at elevatedintegrity.com. And also, we're on Patreon at riverradio.com uh, oh, yeah. slash rivalry. So there's that too. Um, let's jump to present day. So we go through every single game every week of the season. Mm-hmm. All eyes, and you alluded to this already, Roy, but all eyes are kind of on that last Saturday in November. Looking at the Ohio State team that you've got right now, present day, looking at Michigan, I don't know how much you watch them or don't watch them. No, I watch. But I figured you might. Yeah, you watch. What is it going, what are you looking for? What? Let me put it from a Buckeye perspective. Yeah. What will it take for Ohio State, where they're at right now, to beat Michigan in Ann Arbor at the end of November? Short yardage, offensive line play. Like, that's where I'm looking right now, in the trenches. Uh, not so much on the defensive line. I think our defensive line is doing a great job of getting pressure on the quarterback, which is why you're starting to see interceptions yep. from defensive backs. You see linebackers making a bunch of plays. The sacks aren't up from a number standpoint, but those guys are putting so much heat on those guys. And quarterbacks now are trained to get rid of the ball rather mm-hmm. quickly. Yep. So maybe those numbers aren't as high as we have seen them in the past with Nick Boza and Joey Boza. But up front, in the trenches, running the football, being able to control the clock, um, is going to be imperative when we play that team up north, mm-hmm. specifically because that's what they do. They yep. have built themselves yep, yep. different than every other college football team in America. They have the best offensive line for the last two years. Um, you can argue that, but that's just on paper. Yep. Like they've they've yep. been awarded that that um, honor. And so those guys are built for the long haul, which is why over the course of time, you know, you could come out swinging. Most most games, everything's, everybody's yep. juiced up that first quarter, yep. that second quarter. But the second half, when you've got guys leaning on you, and blocking you and hitting you constantly just and then you saw it happen last year yep. when the fourth quarter got away from us so we need to make sure up front we can do the same yep. when we have the football we can't just rely on Kyle uh getting the ball to those receivers yep. in open space we got to be, be able to run the football you see what our, our, our offense looked like running the football without Travion Henderson uh, who recently missed a game or so and so when you get, you know, Mayan in there and you got Chip in there, we got to get behind those big guys and they got to be better pass blockers. I mean, better run blockers yep. than they are pass, uh, yeah. pass blockers. Well, and with the, you know, the big question too is about whether or not the new clock rules, how does that affect things? And it's like, mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, but it definitely, it definitely does play a role when you've got a team like Michigan, who I think is like, the, one of the slowest paced offenses. Yeah, what right was now it in last country? year in the third quarter? They had the ball for one drive for like eight and a half minutes, like almost but, the entire quarter. And that's what that's what they're built for yeah. too. So yeah, I mean to be able to control the clock and be able to grind guys into the into the ground there by the time you hit third and fourth quarter is going to be is going to be absolutely huge. Um, let me ask you this: so looking across, you know, we kind of zoom out from Michigan, Ohio State. We look at the college football landscape as a whole right now. Mm-hmm. Who are the four teams that impress you the most? And again, a lot of this will shake itself out as the season goes on, of course, sure. but 
We got last year for four playoff teams. Next year, expansion is going to be wild. There's a whole bunch of topics on that. Mm-hmm. What are your, who are your four most impressive teams right now for you? So four most impressive versus the four best teams may be okay. uh, a different question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, give us both then. All right. So impressive. Um, I can't go any further than Colorado. I mean, four and two right now. I know, love it. You have a one victory team. And I know everything's been made about Dion, but he's doing it the right way. Um, he's showing a different way of doing things, which I'm all about. But to go four and two right now, and you were slotted in 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 Vegas and all the people who are all the experts said they probably win two or three games to have four already. And without um, their best player and Travis without, Hunter. Without their best player. So impressive. Extremely impressive. Number two, Washington. I think Washington came out of note. We know they had Michael Penix Jr. We just didn't know that they were going to be this explosive (laughs) this early on. Mm -hmm. Um, Their last outing, they didn't play uh, great football, but this weekend uh, or soon they they play uh, Oregon. So you got an Oregon Washington matchup, which is which is interesting. Uh, so we'll see how that starts yeah. to shake out. We are, we are recording this on a Friday, the day before Washington Oregon. So if you're yeah. looking back at this, going that was stupid. We it hasn't yeah. happened yet. Yeah. Okay, there chill. You go. There chill. you go. There you go. And so you 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 have that. And then um, I think Michigan is extremely impressive right now, doing what they're doing. They're, I think, the number two ranked team in the country right now and still running the football and just doing it at will. It's nothing like going up against somebody that you can't stop and there's nothing that you can yeah. do about it. So the fact that they've been, you know, they Harbaugh sat out for three games or whatever. He was just hanging out on vacation and on his <laughs> yacht or whatever, whatever he does, shopping for khakis, whatever he does in his free time. But they came together and rallied together and got some experience for those younger coaches, those assistant coaches to be able to do some things. So that's going to come in handy later down the road as well. Um, And then my fourth team from an impressive standpoint, I'll just say Georgia, mostly because they're being hunted every single week. So you win these national championships and you know, you got, you lose Stetson Bennett and all these different things. But now you're like, man, this is kind of getting boring. (laughs) Like we are just so dominant (laughs) and you can see that in their early play, the first couple of games, but they smacked Auburn when they play Auburn or Kentucky. uh, When they play Kentucky, Mm -hmm. it was a close game. Auburn, but they smacked Kentucky and, and Kentucky was running their mouth too. So just the fact that when you're at the top of the mountain and everybody, Everybody's gunning for you and you're able to stay focused and get new guys in yeah. and reload and still be on top. You got to throw them in there. Does that motivate you as a player? Cause you know, coming off a national championship, does that motivate you knowing that you are getting everybody's best effort or does it get a little bit, ah, it's kind of, can be a little bit tough to yeah, motivate. Well, I, sometimes. I don't know if it motivates you as much as it does. It, it hones in your focus. You don't have any, any wiggle room to just be average, Mm -hmm. you know, like everybody's giving you their best shot. So you got to be on every single game. You just can't say, Hey, Hey, we're lining up against Missouri. We can beat them because those guys, if they beat you, it can make their entire season. And you don't want to be those guys on sports center late at night when you're the guy getting beat for the game winning touchdown. And you're looking at, at uh, the playoffs outside the bubble all of a sudden, like, man, what if we had done this? Cause one loss could keep you out depending on who was against. So that's your foremost impressive who at the end of the year and you're, you know, we're assuming a lot here. That's what we do. Let's wildly speculate. (laughs) Right. Uh, Let's speculate wildly who give us your four playoff teams. So you want me to prophesy? I do. I do. (laughs) Uh, Four playoff teams um, because I'm a homer. I'm going Ohio state. Well, you have to let's go Georgia. Um, If I had to pull a team right now out of the pack 12, which was that's um, based on their play. And based on, I would probably say Oregon. I like that pick. And 
then because I, I like USC's offense, but their defense, their defense is terrible. terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. So I'm, you're looking at Oregon or Washington, and then probably that Oklahoma because they're they're hot right now. So it's yeah, to say, yeah, yeah. You beat you know you beat Texas, so now they're they're the team. Yeah. Coming in five as a tricky potentially can get in is Alabama because right now everybody wrote them off. Everybody mm-hmm. wrote off Alabama. They lost to Texas and, you know, they're having some quarterback issues. But what you see them is starting to get extremely fundamental yeah. and basic in their offense and going back to power football. Yeah. Their quarterback is mobile. He's throwing the football better. So now Alabama's creeping up as well. So if they end up obviously playing in the SEC title game yeah. and win that game, they'll be in. Yeah. Well, and you've also got the potential of seeing Oklahoma, Texas again at the end of the year. And go, Oklahoma right? could take themselves yep. right back out of it. Yep. And so, uh, and that's the fun of college football. And again, it, it, it will be a different type of fun moving forward when you've got the what, a 12 team expansion. Yeah. Um, but for one last rodeo with mm-hmm. four teams with a national title race, that's probably as wide open as it's Absolutely. been in a very long this time. This weekend will decide some stuff because you've got it USC will, yeah. and Notre Dame. You have Oregon and Washington. Some of these things will take care of themselves. So yeah. that's, that's uh, the beauty of it. Too. I do have another question. You talked about this briefly, but it feels like we just have to ask. You talked about all the great Ohio State wide receivers that have come through. Sure. What, who's on your Mount Rushmore of Ohio State receivers? Um, <clears throat> so, number one, Chris Carter. Like, he's Chris Carter yeah. was catching one handed passes without gloves. I mean, he thousand yard receiver. Like, I mean, Chris Carter is he's the guy. Yeah. Terry Glenn, the only Bolitnikoff winner ever in Ohio State history right now. Now, Marvin Harrison Jr. probably will win uh, that award for best receiver in the country. So, you definitely have to put him up there. Third, I would probably say Michael Jenkins. Um, I think right now he still he still may be first all time in yards mm-hmm. for a receiver, um, and I, I believe he had two thousand yard seasons and then one for maybe seven fifty or eight hundred. And then that fourth spot uh, it gets a little bit tricky. You know, I would probably have three on there, but then I mean you got the likes of Joe. Now it's like, what do you want? <laughs> but I would go. I mean, you got Joey Galloway, yeah. right? You got. You know, my teammates, Ted Andrew, you got Santonio Holmes, you got Jackson Smith and Jibba who yeah. caught 1,600 yards in a season, 300 in the game. Who knows where he'd be if he played a senior right. year. You know, yeah. Garrett, Garrett Wilson, who was awesome. Chris Olave, who's the all-time leader in touchdown receptions. But I'm going with David Boston. Man, oh, I'm going with right. David Boston, yeah. who never gets any love for he whatever doesn't. reason. 1,400 plus receive. He had the record for receiving yards in a season up until Jackson <laughs> broke it. Um, so I'm going with David Boston, uh, Chris Carter, Terry Glenn, um, and, and Michael Jenkins. And so, um, you know, people will, can argue Michael Jenkins, but I mean, the, the consistency, the big catches, you know, six, five, 215 pounds, first round draft pick. I mean, what more do you want from yeah. a guy national champion? So I'm throwing him in there for sure. I dare you to argue that with Roy face to face. That's my challenge <laughs> yeah. to you. Uh, Roy, we appreciate your time. Tell us where we can find out more about driven foundation. Show you a little bit of love. Yeah. For all you guys who are listening, awesome listeners, uh, you can go to staydriven.org, staydriven.org to find out how you can support uh, and see what we're doing, the mission of the Driven Foundation. And then personally, if you, you would love to have me come out and maybe speak to your uh, company or speak to your team or uh, speak to your students, you can go to RoyHallJr.com. That's RoyHallJr.com. So you got StayDriven.org and RoyHallJr.com. Um, both are uh, opportunities to figure out a way to make your people better and to, to make a difference in the community. 
The Rivalry is a production of River Radio Ministries. Want live updates from the show? Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at RivalPod. Visit our Patreon and consider becoming a patron for exclusive bonus content, merch, and more. And be sure to follow us wherever you're listening now for new episodes every Tuesday. And if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend so they can listen too.